welcome back to the show. Today, we're going to talk about some things in the programming world that I tend to disagree with. And on some level, this is actually very narcissistic. Uh, We've talked about this before. Uh, It's great that you have an opinion. Everyone does. But why does that mean it has value? Why does it mean that that needs to be put out into the world? You know, (laughs) who who assigned value to your dumb opinions or my dumb opinions? Uh, And I would agree with that. I only bring it up here because uh, the reality is I do, of course, run Laracas. Laracas has a big reach. And as part of that, there's just no two ways about it. It comes with a, a sense of responsibility. It comes with a certain amount of influence. Uh, and I say that, trust me, I say that as humbly as I possibly can. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to raise myself up here. It just comes with, it just comes with um, a successful educational platform. Uh, people, people take what you say maybe a little more seriously than others, even if you don't deserve that. Uh, so with that in mind, I think it's even more paramount for for people like me to admit that uh, you don't have all the answers and others don't have all the answers either. We should all be poking holes in these ideas as constantly uh, as we can, because there, I mean, as long as I've been doing this, there are very, very few actual truths, actual best practices. And we've talked about this many, many times. Uh, people, People will tell you this is the way it's been decided. People way smarter than you have figured these things out. Do not question it. Right. This is kind of how it how it cascades down to us when, when you especially with uh, intermediate developers. There's this phase that we've discussed. You hit your intermediate phase. It's where you're most passionate and most impressionable. They read a handful of books and it's like clockwork. The next day you see them on Twitter regurgitating what they just read um, as as if they, they have just discovered scripture, as if they had just gone up the mountain and they have received they have received these rules that have changed their entire outlook on how code should be written. And at this exact phase, every single time you see their productivity, you see their code quality go straight down uh, for a period. It happened to me. It happened to lots of people I know. And I see it almost every week on Twitter. You, you, you can just learn to point it out. And maybe that's just the way it is. Maybe you got to get through that phase. But anyways, uh, running Laracast, I think it's very important for me to admit I don't have all the answers, and many of the things that I've learned in the past and, and the things that I even learned today, I'm not so sure are true. So, so how do we determine what, what these programming truths are, what these best practices are, and if there are any of them? How, how do, who is responsible? Like, Is there a committee in PHP land that determines whether this or that constitutes good code? Who has been rewarded the right to determine these things? And what you find is that, not always, but so often, no one really decided it. It just kind of cascaded down from the top, and then you see this new thing. Oh, oh, we're doing this now? Okay, I, I guess I'm adding return types. You know, like, it, it so often doesn't amount to anything more than that. Think about um, flat design, right? That, that kind of took the internet by storm, what, what was it, a couple of years ago? It's still, we're kind of getting out of that phase, but it was still a big thing back then. Who decided that that was the trend, that that was the thing back then? Um, I don't know. I mean, was it just Google really pushed it? And then everyone wanted to copy Google, and before you know it, flat design is in, and gradients are no longer cool. They're no longer fashionable, right? Who made these decisions? And what we find out is so often it's like, well, one influential person or a few influential people did it, and then it just cascades down and everyone's doing it, and they all think they kind of came to that conclusion on their own, 
when you were sort of just assigned it. You were just sort of told, this is the new thing we're doing right now. Redux, uh, Vuex, this is the thing we're doing now. This is the way to build maintainable uh, applications in JavaScript. Think about for every 10 people, uh, and you can insert the technology. It doesn't matter. I'm just pulling things out of my head. For every 10 people that are using these, how many do you think really researched it and came to the conclusion, this, this is best for my project. This is exactly what I need. I would say maybe, I don't know, 70%. Like maybe, I'm, I'm going to be friendly here. Maybe 7 out of 10, maybe 6 out of 10 actually researched it and saw, oh, this is exactly what I need to, to manage state better in my project. This absolutely fills the issue that I, that I have. And I think the other 3 to 4 out of 10, which is a huge number if you think about it, they just did it because, oh, that's what we're doing now. Okay, great. I'll, I'll get started on it. Other people have decided for me. I'm maybe not smart enough to figure this out, but others have have figured all of this out and they have come to the conclusion, this is the right way, or, or this is the most optimal way to build a large application. Those other ways are good for small projects, and we're never actually going to illustrate what a small project is. We're just going to use that term condescendingly, right? Uh, and I think one thing I've learned over the years is it is true. You think that those way smarter than you have really done the research. And so often, not always, but so often, it's just not the case. So often, it's a few people started doing it. A few people started recommending it. It's just the truth. It hurts to hear, but I think it's the truth. All right, so let's move on to these, uh, to these five things I disagree with. They're not the top five. They're just, uh, to be frank, the first five that came to my head. So do we have five here? One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Okay. You are not your code. Now, I think I dedicated a full episode to this, and I, I want to touch on it one more time, but, w- but we'll be pretty quick. And what reminded me of it was uh, Laracon Online. Uh, I watched a talk from Sandy Metz, which was fantastic. She did a really good job. Now, one thing she did mention along the way is, again, that, that mantra of you are not your code. And I think she understands this the correct way. She, she didn't elaborate on it, but I'm pretty sure if you were to talk to her about this, she would agree. So anyways, the basic idea of you are not your code is, look, this code does not reflect on you as a person. Uh, you should not be bound to it. So if somebody pokes a hole in it or offers a better way, you should, of course, be entirely open to it. You're, you're not going to be defensive. You're not going to think of your code as this untouchable gem that, that was done to perfection. Nope. We're all fallible. We should all be open to improvements, right? Just about everyone agrees with this. And this is where the, the mantra comes from. Where I take issue with it is uh, in the simple fact that we're dealing with developers. I don't know if it's a developer-specific thing, but there's so often a personality that goes along with it. And the issue with things like this, with mantras like this, you are not your code, is it is used as ammunition to go after people. And that's a big problem. Because yes, we can say you are not your code, you're not bound to it, this does not reflect on your soul, but you know what? It does reflect on you to some extent. You put so how many how many things have you worked on that you really put your heart into that you spent hours and hours? Maybe sometimes you were up till three in the morning trying to to get the design right because it wasn't you couldn't quite figure out the way it should work, and you spent hours and hours, and you finally came upon something that felt really really good. I don't care what anyone says, you are going to be linked to that to some extent. Just, just in the same way that if you were up all night writing a song, right? And then you played it for somebody the next day and you were really proud of it because you put your heart into this song and somebody said it's garbage. 
would you be would you be offended? You are not your song, right? That song doesn't reflect on you as a person. But wait a minute. When we talk about it in terms of a song and writing and lyrics and music, well, of course that represents you. Of course that reflects you as a person. Maybe more than anything, it reflects you as a person. So why do we assume that with code, in no way does that represent you, right? So th- this is the thing. At its core, it's it's a basic good principle. Don't link yourself. If my friend says, hey, did you think about doing it this way and it's way better? Then I should say, oh, you're right. That's, that's a much better way to go. Thank you so much. Of course, everyone would agree with it. Once again, though, the second time, when it is used as ammunition for strangers to go after you on social media is when that rule really breaks down. And I think it almost ends up being um, a, a very nasty thing, right? We've seen this all over the web. We've seen countless threads, countless GitHub threads, countless uh, Twitter threads where um, somebody is demolished or somebody is uh, opening themselves up to to the aggression that has been pointed their way as a result of a, a piece of code they wrote. It's not cool. And when you're dealing with human beings and you say things like you are not allowed to be linked to this thing that you spent 300 hours working on because you are not your code, of course, it's going to hurt people's feelings, right? So I would always want to put the human being over any kind of phrase uh, like that. Number two, just because the language adds it does not mean you need to use it. And if I'm honest, I think for for every language-specific community I've been a part of, um, most people just assume, oh, well, now we're using that. Uh, When I think of some of the latest stuff in JavaScript and ECMAScript 2015, 2017, typically, yeah, I'm going to make use of those new things. I, I create classes in JavaScript. I use the, the short arrow syntax. Uh, generally, most people will do this. But it doesn't mean that that new way equals good code. It doesn't mean uh, in JavaScript land that because you declare a variable with const, C-O-N-S-T, instead of uh, let, that somehow you're writing better code. It doesn't mean that. If you want to do it for preference, fine. but There's no, like, you don't have to use const if you disagree with it. There's nothing that says that is a better way to write applications at all. It's just a a language feature. It's just something you can use. Uh, We see this in PHP now, especially. Uh, All these new, like I I noticed in PHP Storm, if I generate a method now, it automatically sets the return type. So now just about across the board, when people are making projects in, in PHP Storm and they don't know either way, they're still in that impressionable phase, well, the, the editor created that for you, so we should just keep that on. And, and this is what I meant a long time ago in an episode I recorded. It's not that they're inherently bad, because I don't think they are at all. I, I think in many cases they can be useful uh, if, if your team decides that. It's more the idea, once again, that, oh, this is what we're doing now? Okay, I, I guess I'm going to add this return type. I'm not going to add a string type to, to every string parameter that every single method in my project uh, accepts. And then I'm going to declare a return type for every single method in my project. And, then, and because I haven't really thought about it, but I hear this is the correct way to go. It's new in PHP. Everyone says this this reduces bugs. I haven't really checked it for myself, but hey, I guess we're all doing this now, right? This is what I'm talking about. Just because the language adds it does not mean you need to use it. It doesn't mean anything. It just means... This is something that's available to you. And so often, most of the items in your toolbox will not be used for a given project. So please keep that in mind. Number three, uh, there's this common thing. Um, I'm not sure if it's in all communities. I I notice it especially in the PHP community. 
But it's this idea that you have a duty to participate in the community and you need to blog and you need to go to conferences and you need to um, make proposals to speak at conferences and you need to do this. You need to get involved. Uh, and I don't care if you do it. I, I'm involved in a lot of these things, but something rubs me wrong about the idea that you need to do it. You have a duty to participate in the community. You need to join a meetup in your local town and, and start building up. Like, why? Why do you need to do anything? Do whatever you want. Uh, if you have a family and you, you go to work all day and you want to go home to your family, then do that. This idea that we all need to be going to meetups weekly and we need to uh, create speaking proposals at conferences because you got to get involved. No, you don't. No, <laughs> you don't. It, it might be useful. It might be good for your career if you do, but do whatever you want. You don't have a duty to do anything, including blogging. I think it can be very helpful uh, to those after you if, you, if you blog your progress as you're learning something, but you don't have to. Do whatever you want. Uh, I, I hate, I hate these, these rules that people throw out, these ideas that you have to, you, you have a duty to get involved. No, you don't. You have a duty to protect and, and help feed your family. That's it. Anything above it, it might be good for you to try to give a conference talk, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. Number four, I was taught a long time ago, you want to get into testing, unit tests are step one. This was hard for me. It took me a very, I feel at this point in my career, I'm very comfortable with testing and writing TDD. Uh, I have no issues at all. It took me years. Year, I'm like, seriously, years, five, six, seven years to get to that point. Um, and a lot of it was, again, I think it was taught wrong. I was taught you start with these isolated unit tests. You test one thing, and that, that one unit usually starts out as a single class. It could possibly be more, but at some point in the future, you're able to figure out what, what represents a unit, but you just learn the word unit, and you're already supposed to figure out, like, down the line, is this unit a class, or when does it represent more than one class? It all gets very, very complicated. So you're, you're, you're taught, step one, we're going to test this, this single class in isolation, and we're going to start with, like, a math class. And I even, I even taught people this way. And I regret it, uh, to be honest. But it's, it's like low-hanging fruit. If you want to show somebody how to test that 2 plus 2 equals 4, well, uh, a dumb little math class is an easy way to do it, right? Well, if I new up this class and I add 2 uh, to 0, then I assert that the sum equals 2 or 4, whatever it happens to be. And yes, you're teaching them how to test. Um, but by definition only, you're, you're teaching them I would say the extent of that is teaching them how to say that one value equals another. Uh, you're not really teaching them how to test real projects, are you? No, because uh, think, if you've already gone through this process, you probably learned in a similar way, and then you wanted to apply it to your real projects, right? Uh, and it was not so easy, was it not? It was very, very difficult. Uh, maybe... Uh, Maybe your project wasn't structured in the way to make that easy. And you learned, oh, that means the design of my code is bad because I can't test this in isolation very easily. That means it's inherently bad, right? These things kind of, once again, cascade down. I read this. This says it's bad. Looks like I need to completely change the way I've been structuring things because testing this, this thing in isolation is no longer easy. And I read this book that showed me how to do the math class, and that was really easy to assert, but now I'm switching over to a project that um, 
has a number of dependencies or, or makes some network calls, and I don't know how to do it, right? It gets very, very complicated, and it's not, it's not the way you learn. It's not the way we learn anything else. Think back to when you were a kid and you were learning basic addition. You weren't writing it down on paper. You weren't writing two plus two and then the line below it. And then you were, you know, uh, you were just using blocks. All right. If you have two blocks here, you, if you have Elmo and, um, and Grover here, and then you add Big Bird, how many are there total? Now you have three people. You know, that's how you teach children. That is the correct way to get them in. It's, it's like the easiest possible entry to teaching them. And the, the way we do it with testing is so opposite of that. What, what we should do is basic outside-in tests. It's so very, very clear. I wrote about this. Um, I wrote a book years ago about uh, called Laravel Testing Decoded. And I disagree. I'll, I'll be honest. I disagree with a lot of that book uh, now. But much of it, I do not. And one of the things I do think I got right in that book was this idea of you start from the outside-in. That is step one. So instead of saying, when I knew up this class, and then I mock all of these dependencies, and I assert that I call these methods, and <laughs> immediately I've, I've, I've coupled my test to the implementation, which I learned was bad, but there's no way to get around it because I have to mock these things out, it all gets so confusing. What I should have said is, well, if I, if I were to hit this endpoint, if I trigger this controller or something like that, well, once it goes through all the pipes, like Mario going through a pipe, once it comes out the other side, I expect the system to be in this shape. That is the most low-hanging fruit step one uh, manner that you can learn things in. It's the easiest approach, and it is the approach that I use in my own projects. If I'm starting a new feature, then I start with a feature test. And yes, at some point I may work my way down to more unit-level tests, or I would call them uh, even model tests. Um, and, and I would say in many ways they, they often provide the least amount of value versus approaching the feature the way an actual user would. Well, when I do this and I get this data, then the database should be updated in this way. This, um, this notification should be prepared. You know, like that is the, that would be step one, in my opinion, showing people how to implement this into their actual projects right now versus teaching them the most low-level way to get started, and it immediately forces them, the way things are taught uh, by testing in isolation, it immediately forces them to go down this rabbit hole of, of mocks and fakes and spies and terminology, and then they start learning. There's a dozen different styles of testing, and they get overwhelmed, and they skip it entirely because the way we traditionally teach how to test is completely wrong, in my opinion. Okay, so that's it uh, for today. Maybe we'll do another five more because I, I can think of a number of things here. So maybe we'll do a, do a follow-up at some point. But until then, uh, I'm Jeffrey Way with Laracast.com, and I'll see you later.